How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hello and welcome to the Intentional Soul, the home for the highly functioning spiritual types out in the world. It is here that we look at the world and ourselves through the lens of higher consciousness, connecting deeply to who and what we really are. Now, my name is Tom Ross, spiritual teacher, healer, spiritual nonconformist, and I am your host for these conversations. On the Intentional Soul, we hear not only from me, but from people who are living intentionally, openly, and authentically in their world. We'll hear their stories of personal transformation while sharing best practices and tactics to help you get the most out of this game called life. Now, nothing is off limits as we seek to expand ourselves and our awareness and live, ultimately, our most authentic lives. Let's dive in. All right, with us today is Raquel Cassidy, the owner of A Journey Inward. It's a company focused on using breathwork and kundalini yoga technology to facilitate healing and deep states of awareness. Now, Raquel embarked on a transformative journey with kundalini yoga and breathwork back in 2019 after a health issue led to her to realize the importance of self-care and the need to prioritize her own well-being. And ultimately driven by the transformative and healing experience that she had, Raquel's actually on a mission to share the peace and optimal state of being kundalini provides with as many humans as possible. She believes that kundalini yoga is not just a physical practice, but a way of life that allows us to access our inner power and potential. So welcome Raquel to the intentional soul. Thank you so much, Tom. Happy to be here. All right. So give it to us. Tell us about yourself, uh, your background, if you don't mind, and ultimately, you know, maybe how you came to, uh, to Kundalini yoga, which I'm fascinated with. And I know a lot of us uh, who listen have been fascinated by as well. Cool. All right. So you'll have to keep me in line because I can kind of bounce around <laughs> quite a bit. But uh, like you said, it my journey started in 2019. I got hit with vertigo and didn't kind of just hit hit me all of a sudden. Found out that I have um, Epstein-Barr in my liver. And it turns out that the majority of humans do have this virus, but it just uh, generally stays dormant in the system. What's Epstein-Barr? Uh, I, I... What is that? So it's a it's a virus that um, is like I said, super common in general. And so what the doctors say is, if you've ever had mono, you have Epstein Barr. Okay. Uh, right. So our organ, you know, our body is a whole ecosystem, and there are thousands and thousands of bacteria and viruses in our body. Some of them are good, some of them are not so good, but the not so good ones generally stay dormant. And with this particular Epstein-Barr, something that can activate that is stress, 
right? Like most other things. And so when I went in to go figure out what this issue was, um, it turned out that with the blood work for this particular virus, you can get blood work and you can see the numbers up to 600 points. And a human can have more than that, but the, you know, the test will only tell us up to 600. Well, mine was at 600. And so what I learned was that Epstein-Barr, it's not you know, the end of the world, but it is a gateway to autoimmune diseases. Okay. Right. So right away, I kind of, you know, I, my natural state, I like to beat myself up about things. And so, you know, right away, it's like, what, how could I do this to myself? You know, how could I let this happen? And so that kind of um, took me into, I was fairly healthy. Um, I was, up until that point, um, I was under the impression that I had a good grasp on, you know, my health and, and my well-being. But it turns out that I was just I was living in my masculine for so my whole life. That's kind of the upbringing that I've had. And my my soul was just tired of putting up this front. And so then that's when the stress started to come aside from my being in my real estate business, which happens to be a very masculine, you know, dominant type of space. And so when I learned about all of this, I had already scheduled a session to a ceremony to go work with ayahuasca, which is um, a plant medicine. And, you know, I had read up and researched so much about it. it had been calling me for years. And so this was kind of like, okay, Raquel, here you are. This is the opportunity for healing, right? If you're not familiar with ayahuasca, it's a, a, a really sacred plant. I have big respects for it, um, but it has the ability to shut down your subconscious and allow you to see um, what things you need to work on, what has been holding you back, and also, most importantly, release any emotions um, or trauma that we've been suppressing. And the biggest caveat to that is also releasing trauma ancestral uh, karma or trauma, right? So things that we don't even know that we're carrying or things that are limiting us, but we don't, we we're just not aware. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't learn this or do these things in this lifetime. So I went on to my, to my first ceremony and my intention was healing, right? I wanted to, at that point, get this virus out of here. I, you know, I want to do everything I can to get myself healthy, and so long story short, in that first ceremony, I there was a moment where I was step I had stepped outside of my body and I was looking, almost kind of looking down on my body. And I started to witness my body, um, my arms and my legs were stretched apart. And I was doing it was this like hyperventilating breath that I was mm-hmm. doing. And then all of a sudden I felt this immense feeling of like excitement, you know, and then I hear this voice that says, this is what healing looks like. And then all of a sudden the sun would come up and go down. And it was always almost like days were, you know, um, going by really quickly. And again, this, this voice telling me, this is what, this is what healing looks like. And I was so excited. I could feel it was, you know, when you take, when you practice with this medicine, it's inexplicable. Um, It's all about sensing. And so 
after that experience, I still had nothing to, I didn't know anything about Kundalini. I had practiced all different other types of yogas out there. And after that experience, I noticed that a woman that used to be also a broker, Veronica Berrigan, but she had been on her journey to of healing as well. And she had already been certified to become a Kundalini yoga teacher. And so all of a sudden I, you know, it caught my attention and I thought, what is this woman doing? So I went to one of her meetings and she shared her whole story. And that was when I learned about the breath of fire. And it was just such a cool you know, like synchronicity of like, what? This is so bizarre. Just four months ago, I watched myself do this breath. I had no idea what it was. And now learning about the breath of fire and how powerful it is and what it does to our system when we consciously do this exercise is just, you know, mind boggling. And so that just kind of got me into the practice. I, she became Veronica became my teacher and I have been practicing for the past three years. And I mean, they've been very transformative. I thought that I was going in to heal, you know, this virus that I had, and it just uncovered so many things like that, how I just have been in survival state my whole life. And I love my parents to death and they could only teach me what they knew and that was to survive and so now I'm in this place of abundance and gratitude for everything that's been given to me and now exploring you know what else is out there and um, my potential to not just be in survival state now thriving and how can I influence and bring this peace that I feel to the rest of the world that's outstanding so you had Essentially, you were experiencing some kind of physiological malfunction due to the Epstein-Barr virus is what it is what it sounds like it was related to. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Now, you had you had previously decided that you were going to uh, do an ayahuasca ceremony, which ayahuasca for anybody who doesn't know, it's as Raquel said, it's a, it's a plant medicine. It's a powerful kind of a hallucinogenic, right? And so uh, similar to psilocybin, it's not the same. However, uh, in, in psilocybin, there's a commonality with respect to it kind of like just allows a subconscious and whatever's going on subconsciously to be able to be accessed and brought forth at a deeper level, which allows for people to be able to heal, you know, information that was consciously hidden, you know, kind of like hidden from them. And so, you know, in the, in the hands of, uh, I'm assuming you did this uh, ceremony with, uh, with a practitioner or somebody who took you through the journey, were they shamanistic or what, who were the practitioners? Not who they were specifically, but just whether were they shamanistic or, or some other type of medium? Yes. Yeah, so it was a facilitator that had got that received training from shamans down in Peru. But the, the ceremonies did that those first ceremonies did take place here in Arizona. And then yeah. later I explored um, going down south and practicing with the shamans themselves. A good buddy of mine who I, I took a trip to Mongolia with in the summer of 2022, mm-hmm. he was a veteran suffering from extraordinary PTSD, had an incredible problem with, with alcohol. Uh, he had gone through more than 20 years as kind of like a Delta Force style army ranger and had just experienced so much, you know, trauma that goes with that kind of information. He just, there was nothing that that he was able to do or reconcile in himself that wasn't going to go down this destructive path. And one of his other buddies told him about ayahuasca, told him, hey, 
you know, here, you know, this is a reset button, go do this thing. And it fundamentally rewired him. No PTSD, no alcoholism. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's for, for people who are curious about that kind of, that kind of modality, you know, in the hands of, uh, you know, true practitioners and facilitators, uh, it is powerful, powerful healing. And that's amazing to see you had already been interested in that kind of, that kind of information. Then while you're actually in your journey, you're witnessing yourself doing some kind of breathing, feeling, uh, feeling messaging that, that is tying you and that says this is healing, not knowing what that means. Then all of a sudden, fast forward and you're sitting at a coffee or whatever with, uh, with somebody who's going to become your mentor. And it's this Kundalini yoga and the breath of fire is the breath work that you were witnessing yourself doing and you just like got hit by a bolt of lightning that's amazing so how talk about healing and kundalini like what was what did you start to access in yourself as you're going through this process what were you unraveling uh to kind of get to you get to where you are now so one of the things that that i learned in the in my ceremonies was I I was confronted with situations that, again, were not present to me, right, or memories. And so becoming aware of it, but not just becoming aware of it with some love at the same time, right? Like, this is what's happened, but you are here now and you are better because of it, um, but on a deeper level. And so I feel like, well, that's what Kundalini has been for me to where knowing the way that I briefly mentioned, you know, I grew up in the survival state um, and very much in the masculine. Like, in fact, I remember my family telling me growing up, like, no, you don't follow your heart. You know, that's weakness and you're going to get mm. hurt. Like you got to <laughs> your brain, right? Your yeah. brain logical. You have to, you have to be logical. And so that's been my whole life. Just, I've been trained to be disconnected from my heart and that, you know, that has consequences. And so as I stepped into my practice, it's been a a gentle um, unraveling of my whole life's experience. And as I, things um, come up, you know, that I released these emotions that I had suppressed because I thought that it wasn't necessary, right? Or as I've, I've allowed myself to release these things, I, I realized the power of and and how much energy I also release to allow me to do the things that I that I want to do now versus, you know, one of the main things of Epstein-Barr's is fatigue. So fatigue syndrome. So when I'm stressed, I get really tired, overwhelmed, you know, my body is Mm -hmm. like, okay, Raquel, you got to take a step back. And so that was one of the things that I learned along the way that, Hey, you know what? Epstein-Barr is actually a blessing. It's a, it's a, a virus that's here to help you evolve because now I really have to take care of my nutrition. What I put in my body is extremely vital um, and then also what I consume, we're, we're walking filters, right? So we're all, we're constantly consuming, not just food, but media, we're consuming things that go in, in our skin. And so, so changing that perspective of what did I do to myself? How did I let myself down by getting this virus versus no, I'm evolving. And this is just creating some awareness for me to do a better job in taking care of this vessel that I've been given on this earth. Right. And so as I've been doing that and discovering and feeling and opening up my heart, it just 
it's still a work in progress, but it's allowed me to see how many women are in the state. And I mean, men too, right? We're all scared to tap into our our, our, uh, feminine. Men have the feminine energy too, but why are we so scared? And then you see the chaos in the world. They're lacking that feminine energy of compassion, of love, of patience. And before I would I would be really hesitant to express this, even as I started doing my own journey, practicing before teaching, I would be self-conscious about sharing what I was doing because it was kind of, it was too feminine, right? Like, Oh, what is Raquel doing? You know, she's a bad bee. Why why is, you know, you had a rep you had to maintain. Oh God. Yeah. The, (laughs) Oh, the reps. Um, And so dismantling that like hard, you know, persona that I had built and finding the strength and the courage and being and stepping into the feminine has been such a beautiful experience. And now I take pride in telling people, yeah, you know, bringing peace and well-being, that is how I spend my time to people. I could care less about doing anything else at this point. Yeah, she really used to want to just cut a bee. And then now all she wants to do is just breathe with you and have you feel love. I don't understand. Something changed. (laughs) Right, right. And then really stepping into um, breaking those patterns that I learned along the way. Um, Being in survival state, scarcity was a huge pattern that I had that, you know, drove me to be selfish and to not be open. And, and this work has really challenged me. And Hey, if we, if I am following my Dharma, my purpose here on this earth, I am going to be abundant. But the second that I I challenge that, or I say it, but I truly don't believe it in my, in my being, then I'm sending the universe contradicting messages. Right. And so Mm -hmm. therefore the universe is not going to allow me to continue continue to be abundant. So let's go back to, I think maybe break down um, Kundalini versus other forms of of yoga. So if it's a hot yoga you're doing, uh, which is like, like heat stretch, a lot of music, or if it's like a a traditional, uh, some of some version of a a Hatha or kind of a flow class, maybe music, maybe not whatever longer times and poses, then you've got yoga Nidra, which is much more of a, a, uh, uh, re- relaxing, um, you know, almost like a meditative. I think if I recall, you can, you tell me, I think it's a lot more of it in a, in kind of like a Shavasana ish type of uh, type of position. Kundalini yoga is what specifically, what are you doing in Kundalini yoga? And then would you give me an example of, let's say you just use the example of, of a pattern that you're in survival, give an example, please of like, and it could be another pattern. Like, how would you, do you identify and then focus uh, the practice on one of these patterns? Is it, uh, is there awareness that just comes through doing the work? Can you walk me through the process of Kundalini and, and describe it as related to other yoga? Yeah, absolutely. So Kundalini is considered to be one of the most ancient type of yogas out there. Um, there's a lot of uh, writing about how even Jesus practiced it, Jesus and Mary Magdalene. There's actually a lot of uh, really interesting writing on that. And 
so so what it is is kundalini is a combination of movement a combination of breath work and meditation and i think that's why i was drawn to it so much in the beginning too you know when it, whenever you speak to anyone about uh, meditating it's like oh no i don't have time or no my mind is just so so busy that i just can't i don't do it right so people don't and so i i was one of those folks and um what drew to me was that we are using um, our sound. So there is also healing and hearing our own voice. So we use our sound in uh, ways of mantras. So rep, re- repeating certain mantras or a lot of it is Sanskrit. So it might not even have a meaning, but it's higher elevated frequencies so that we can really uh, tap into the oneness, right? Tap into our higher consciousness. And so we use sound to fall into a deeper meditative state and then um, combining with different breathwork exercises to keep us connected to the body. And so I love this because, you know, for those that are busy mind, you've got, you have a few things to focus on, right? You're, you're now speaking something. Sometimes a lot of the times actually, we're using mudras, which is uh, specific hand placements, like this is Gyan Mudra, and it calls on um, our intuition, right? So connecting to our intuition, our wisdom, our inner wisdom. And so the hand mudras are really special because uh, as you may or may not have heard, but all of our organs are connected. You know, there's like sense sensors in our fingers and our hands, as well as the bottom of our feet. So when we hold certain positions, we're all connected, right? Everything is connected. And so we're really tapping into the certain specific energy areas to allow us to, to uh, become aware of patterns that are correlated to a specific thing. So to your next question is, you know, if you want to focus on a specific um, thing. So I'll give you an example. My, um, I have a, one of my clients, um, she reached out to me, we had gone to a, uh, a retreat uh, last year together. And she's also a yoga teacher, she teaches yin. And then she's also she does the um, sound baths. And so she reached out and said, Hey, Raquel, I'm having issues. She said she was starting to feel super overwhelmed in her classes. And, you know, it, she didn't know it was kind of caused giving her anxiety. It was almost like she was taking on the energy of the folks that were releasing in her classes. Right. So mm-hmm. I had just, and I think there's a, there's a, there's a misnomer. It's like when I detach from the good, the bad, the right, and the wrong of everything that society wants me to be mad at that somehow I don't care. And that's actually simply not the case. It's actually, I have extraordinary compassion for the whole thing. Because I see all sides of the suffering as opposed to, you know, being positioned on being right about one particular uh, one particular thing. Yes, it's it's so challenging. But ultimately, I think where you're going with that is just it's sovereignty, right? Mm -hmm. Getting to that level of just fully understanding the full picture and not having any attachment to any of that picture, any part of that picture. And that's the goal. And that really is what Kundalini is here to do, that it's considered a technology, right? And that is to balance every every energy center that we have in this being so that we may 
I don't, I, I really think it's impossible to be fully unattached, but the idea is to be completely unattached, but connected to things, right? So when, you know, someone breaks my heart, it, it, there's going to be that little period of mourning, but really trusting that, um, that there was a lesson that needed to be learned. I'm a better person from it and now wishing this person well right? That's sovereignty. And so that is my, the practice that I have within um, to one of my patterns with has also been control, which I know a lot of us kind of have that, right? I want to be in control of everything. And when it doesn't go my way, then it, you know, things go, <laughs> I'm not happy about it. And so that, I think that's one of the pieces that has brought me so much peace to, to fully um, and wholeheartedly trust that everything is happening for me. Even when things don't go the way that I expected them is because I can't see what's ahead, um, but there is a higher knowing the creator knows what was ahead and it was for my protection or to redirect me to continue on the path that I'm supposed to be on. So how is what you're doing right now different or is it actually a component of what you've always envisioned for yourself? How is it, I'm assuming it's different from how you thought your life was, was going to go or what your trajectory was. It's extremely different. Um, one of the cool things that I've discovered along the way is, um, so I, I am dyslexic and um, that was one of the biggest um, things that I had that I had to heal from is growing up in Mexico um, in a very rural, it was a ranch schooling was so old school where I would get hit. Like if I didn't, if I didn't do well in school, like the teachers have that ability to hit us. Right. And so that being dyslexic in a ranch, like no one says, Hey, uh, and I, this is new in society actually, right. That like, Oh, kids actually don't all learn the same way. What, what is this? Yeah. So back then it's like, you weren't getting it. You're getting hit, you know, you're just not smart. And that, that was kind of, um, one of the patterns that I told myself, Oh, Raquel, you're not smart, but you're a hard worker. You know. Mm. <laughs> Thankfully I had that as a positive though. Yes. Right. That I'm a hard worker. And um, and so now, like having to forgive and love that child. Right. That was so hard on herself because not only would I get hit in school, but then I would get home and then I had the torturous like three hours of doing homework with my dad and the belt on the table, you know, (laughs) brutal. So that, you know, and so they say um, how you were raised is how it's your internal voice. So then, you know, I left my house, but that those beatings, I was still giving myself. And so I totally moved away. What was your question? Um, Oh, uh, the uh, uh, how is is what you're doing right now totally different than what you might have imagined? Okay, yeah. So I was always like, okay, school, you know, school I'm bad at, but I always knew that I wanted to be my own boss. I didn't want anyone to tell me what to do. So I I feel like that being a, a teacher or a guide was always in me. And so I did go to school for business management. Um, I got through it, thankfully. And um, then I went into the business, um, you know, administration. I did the whole corporate and it was, you know, it was just not for me. 
I did everything that society and that my parents told me I had to do. And once, you know, I had my real estate business, then everything was great. And I'm sitting in my house and it's like, wow, I have everything that the world has told me I I, I should want but I feel totally unfulfilled. You know, what is this? And so that was kind of, it all happened at once. I was 30 years old when all of that started to happen, um, where I had everything that a person, I didn't need to be a millionaire to realize I have everything I want, right? And why, why am I not happy? Why am I still feeling unfulfilled? And that was it. That was like that piece that I was missing, that I was in survival. And now my soul was demanding more, right? I thrive now my my soul wanted to thrive and now stepping into how can i serve versus what are the things that are serving me um and so yeah that's when did you know that you needed to do this work and bring bring this work with kundalini into um the public so in the te- in the teachings everything is everything that we talk about is when you are following your heart's desire and what you came on this earth i i do believe that every soul came here with a purpose and with lessons that we came here to learn and when we are on that path, um, the universe is going to do everything to make sure to keep you on that path. So society has told us that we have to fight. We have to work hard to get what we want. Right. And that's not the case when you really are on your path. It, it's not hard. And I'm not saying, you know, sit on your butt and just wait for it all to happen. Like definitely, you know, be in motion, but not where you have to like fight and go and, you know, be in this like stressful state to get what it is that you want. And so what when I started to hear that that message within my practice, things just kind of started to to fall into place. The gym that I would go to that I had been going to for 15 years to work out, it's a boxing gym. And I would, after my, after I worked out, I would sit and I would do some breath work. I would stretch. And, you know, then people started to ask me questions. Oh, are you, you know, are you a yoga teacher? Like, what do you do? And this is interesting. And as I started to do my, you know, continue to do my practice, people, were really curious about me. I, my physique wasn't really changing. I've, I've always been thinner, but it was, it was really funny for me to observe. People were wanting to compliment me, people that knew that know me, right. That have known me and just like, there's something different about you, but like, what is it? What do you do? You know? And just like, I, it's my energy. Like, that's all I can say as cheesy as it sounds, but once once I, I kept hearing that in the gym, the owner, who was a good friend of mine, he goes, hey, do you, you know, if you want to practice with these folks, like you're more than welcome. There's space here, blah, blah. What had happened is um, that trainer, he started to work with Parkinson's patients. Mm. And so now the gym was getting all these kind of different type of individuals, which was really cool. I loved it. You know, so now we're, we were getting a bunch of elderly folk that had just been um, diagnosed with uh, with Parkinson's. And so there's a lot of research out there that proves that boxing can like, you know, really set that process back. There's no cure, unfortunately. 
So anyway, that's that's how he got connected with these folks. And so in that, these are the ones that were starting to ask me, hey, what are you doing? What is this? You know, what, why are you breathing that way? Mm. <laughs> and so then I, I looked into it a little bit. And one of the major symptoms for Parkinson's patients is shallow breathing. So mm. eventually they start taking shorter and shorter breaths. And I mean, just thinking about yeah. the way that the body works. Yeah, no no shit, your body's going to fall apart if you're not bringing the oxygen down all the way to your vital organs, right? And so I offered that up to people. I, Marty just kind of threw me in there and I did a quick like 15 minute session with them. And of course I was in my head like, oh my gosh, you know, it's these older older white men who they're probably thinking like, who's this little like Latina girl <laughs> just in my head? And after they were just blown away, they're like, whoa, you know, what we feel right now is so incredible. And and so I started to practice with them last year in April. And so now I've been practicing with them Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings. And it's been such a really cool experience. I started doing that with them. And then other things just started to unfold. Other people asking me. And so now I, you know, I also practice at a, a another yoga studio here and like people are seeking me for this work, right? Like I'm not having to go out and fight for, to do this. Like this is the universe slapping me in the face. Like Raquel, this is where you belong. Outstanding. And uh, leads into our last question, which is if you were going to share something with someone who's listening and longing to take a risk or be more of who they really are. Um, I don't know, but maybe they're like afraid, you know, what would you want to share with someone in that particular position? I mean, I would want to ask questions, right? Like what sure. what specifically um, scares them? All it is is breathing, right? So that just automatically tells me how hard they are on themselves, right? That they're scared to move into this unknown place and not do it right, right off the bat. Like that's the unknown. And so the first thing would be for me to bring ease, like, this is just your breath. Like we're, we're living literally. And I say this in every class, it's such an uh, important reminder. We're living in between our very first and our very last breath. Just sit with me and let's honor each breath that we take here together right now. Why not? And honor all of those systems in our bodies that do so much every second. I mean, the amount of blood that our heart pumps, I was just listening to this last night. It was, it's like 1200 miles or something crazy like that. Like if that, if they were to open that up and make it a road, the amount of blood that our heart is constantly pumping per day is like 1200 miles, something ridiculous like that. Right. So that's crazy. And we're so caught up about like, Oh, what am I doing? Well, what, what's going to happen tomorrow? This is fucking incredible. Like just sit <laughs> with this like system that you're in now and just be, we're not human doings. We're human beings, right? So just sit with me for a minute and it's not scary at all. Love it. Raquel Cassian, a journey inward. Thank mm -hmm. you so, so, so very much for joining us here uh, today. How can our people reach you? 
Uh, so I am in the process of uh, rebranding. So I think the quickest way is um, a journey inward on Instagram. Everyone's on there. Um, also on Facebook, a, a journey inward. Otherwise, I'll, I'll set, send you my contact information, direct uh, email and phone number. That's probably going to be the best way. But like I said, um, you know, people are coming to me. So now I'm having to do all of the like legal work and all of that <laughs> stuff to kind of meet up to that, to that uh, desire and demand. Infrastructure is the less sexy part of healing. Totally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Doing all those things. Thank you very much. Have an absolutely fabulous one. I look forward to continuing the conversation. Absolutely. Tom, thank you. Have a beautiful Thanks, day. Joe. All right, this has been another episode of the Intentional Soul Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember to leave a five-star review if you found this content of value. And as always, I'm your host, Tom Ross, Master Practitioner of the Advanced Rapid Enlightenment Process and Rapid Enlightenment Process developed by Matthew Ferry. You can reach me at Tom at TomRossTalks.com and the website to engage and be a part of any classes, trainings, or sessions I have going on is www.TomRossTalks.com. Until next time, peace. <laughs>